the fantasy football beat. Welcome to Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your fantasy team die in darkness. I'm Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and I'm excited for a discussion of Arby's today. I mean, do they in fact have the meats? I don't think those are the Arby's we're talking about. Ew. I'm Jeff Dooley, and now I'm very disappointed. <laughs> well, Jeff, you're not going to be disappointed when you hear the big idea this week, because by the end of the season, you're going to be diving into a vault of cash like Scrooge McDuck. But first... Quick reminder that we have already begun our position-by-position breakdown. If you missed our quarterbacks episode, be sure to check out Stitcher or iTunes and download it. You can also find that on SoundCloud. But we're pressing on with Arby's, not that Arby's with no horsey sauce. We're talking about running backs, the most important position in fantasy football. Got to get running back right. Exactly. If you're going to win your fantasy league. And I think in order to do so, you're going to need to go to some extremes to secure your roster at this position. So when it comes to this week's big idea, prepare to have your mind blown. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh yeah, he's a major sleeper. So you guys have heard about zero RB, where you forgo picking running backs until round five, and then you pile up a couple high upside guys later in the draft, right? Yes, we have heard about this. All we, right, we, yes. are, we are fantasy analysts. We have come across one of the more popular fantasy strategies of modern times. I, I do appreciate you checking. I just got to be sure. You know, you don't know. I've been away for oh, a sure. while on, on leave. <laughs> well, I mean, we are sort of a proxy for the audience here, I guess. So, yes, the answer is yes. All right, so I think zero RB gets it half right this season. So, yeah, you want to stock up late on running backs, but I want to do it early, too, and here's how. I want six of my first ten picks to be running backs. Moreover, I want eight of my total 16 roster spots to be running backs. Six of the top ten, you're saying? Six of my top ten. I'm going heavy early, whereas Zero RB says, eschew it early, go a little bit heavier later. That sounds a little extreme to me, Mike. Do you it's have it's the all RB theory. <laughs> yes. Really Zero RB, give me all your running backs. This is the ultimate RBBC. Running backs by committee, baby. You will have the meats by the end of your draft. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's, here's my logic. I think it's much easier to find a solid wide receiver two in any given week than a consistent running back two, especially if they start losing their jobs or you get injuries to deal with. So consider this from last season. The top 36 wide receivers in fantasy scoring for PPR – of those top 36, nine were undrafted. Now, the top 36 running backs, just two undrafted. So we're talking about a much more scarce pool when it comes to running backs than wide receivers. It certainly, I mean, it feeds into the logic of the zero RB, right? Because there is so much variability at the at the running back position. Uh, injury concern, greater, uh, not that it is a concern of the wide receiver position, but certainly greater at the running back position, just the, uh, the natural attrition uh, when it comes to running backs. I, I think in practice, where I balk at your big idea <laughs> is saying that you want six of your first ten picks to be running backs and eight of the 16 roster spots. That's, am, that's the entire big idea, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> so where I balk with your big idea is the, the big, big idea. idea. <laughs> it's just a little, you've gone a little too far. You've, you've gone mad, Mike, mad, I tells you. Because if you sort of break it down, if, if you play it out in terms of what your actual roster would look like at that point and how your draft would look, you know, by round 10... Um, 
you if you if you took a quarterback and you know we suggested in the previous podcast waiting until at least round ten, so that's fine. But let's say you took a QB in round ten, mm-hmm. that would mean your roster at that point would consist of one quarterback, six running backs, and then three of com- of your combined wide receivers and tight ends at that point. Yeah, seems a little skimpy. Yeah, I- I'll concede that 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 is. The sixth running back in the top ten might be a little bit of a threshold for. Don't some back people. down. I'm Mike. not backing this down. Is, this Here, is your I, big idea. This is the bu- the stick bu- with it. I know, Don't that let Des that dis- Des, <laughs> Des dismantle that in like like sixty seconds. It's not dismantled because you guys were too impatient. You didn't wait for the butt. Oh, now right. here's the butt. The reason I'm going with six RBs early and why I think that even that sixth guy is valuable is because you're going to find that. The, the third wide receiver or the fourth wide receiver for your roster is going to be available later. There are 64 potential candidates uh, uh, for top RB or top wide receivers in the NFL. You have two wide receivers for 32 teams, right? Well, you only got 32 starting running backs. So I want as many of those 32 from the hop as I can get. And I think in order to do that, you're going to need to get six guys, certainly by round 10, and maybe even as, as early as round 7. If I need to settle, like, be the deciding vote here, I would I would align with Dez on this. But I will say this. I think <laughs> if you're going to pull off your strategy, Mike, and I don't think it's impossible, and you're absolutely right about the need to get as many running backs as you can, I think you have to commit to finding a tight end late. Uh, so mm-hmm. you, can't have, uh, you can't have a tight end in that picture. And then, really, if, if you're going to go with only three wide receivers, I think it needs to be like within the first five rounds. Yeah. You really need to go with, for blue-chip yes. talents there because you can't afford to miss on a receiver if you're only taking right. three in the top ten. Totally agree with that, and, and here's how I'm sort of playing this out in my mind. Basically, if I if I get a top three pick, I know who I'm taking. I'm taking one of the top three running backs, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, or David Johnson. But if I don't, then I'm going to get a wide receiver with my first pick that's going to be pretty darn solid. I mean, we're talking Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones. I can build around that. Now I just got to find a starting-caliber wide receiver, too, I can do that in round eight. I can do that in round nine. I can do that in round ten. The variation between the well, top if, if you hit on that guy. Also, if if you're at the back end of round one, you're not getting one of those stud wide receivers necessarily, unless you, unless you you know roll the dice on Jordy Nelson or Des Bryant. I mean, a lot of in a lot of mock drafts and certainly in my own rankings, the back half of round one, you you find some of the uh, lesser sort of running back come out, lesser top tier running back like your Lashawn McCoys and JHIs of the world. Um, but I agree with Jeff that. Yeah, if you if you want to stack your roster over the first ten picks with running backs, you better you better hit on wide receiver early. And that, and I've done that in some leagues. I've had you know three kingpin wide receivers that I felt great about, mm-hmm. and was happy just to keep a fourth uh, as a bye week fill in and just roll them out week in week out. But I don't think you want to go into a draft locking yourself into any kind of sort of positional strategy. And you know I, I'm close to being with you on the big idea. I just think we need to knock one running back off of each of those numbers. In other words, five of the first top ten picks, I'm with you on running backs. I think that's a good way to go. Seven of your total 16 roster spots, I like running back as well. I'm I'm in agreement with you in the sense of stacking, coming out of the draft with many more, like having a plurality of your roster be running backs. All right, see, this is progress. I'm going to focus on the positive, and I got one more stat for you, and I, hopefully, hopefully this can be the deal clincher here. So the difference between the top-scoring wide receiver last year and the 24th-scoring wide receiver, so basically this, the, starting, uh, the best starting wide receivers was 106 points and a little bit of change. Among running backs, the same RB1 to RB24 differential, 245.3. So that's why I really think you just want as many bites of the apple early. And if I have to take LaShawn McCoy a little bit uh, earlier, so late round one, instead of a guy like A.J. Green, I might consider that. 
I, I think you should have led with that stat because I feel like I just I just <laughs> yeah. watched Dez's face. It was a podcast. <laughs> Everyone else doesn't have the benefit of this, but he was really he really that almost sold him. I almost. Think we're building the drama. Go, go off the bat with that one next. Uh, time. It almost sold me. The thing is, okay, the thing about you don't want to say draft running backs early and often. I, I'm with you. If you're going to say draft running backs often, I'm there with you. If you have a 16 player roster. Just to sort of game it out in positional terms, you, you know, you're going to have to have at least one quarterback, one tight end, one kicker, one defense. That's four of your 16 spots. Mm-hmm. If you have eight running backs, that only leaves four wide receivers and no duplicates at either running or at either quarterback or tight end. And you know, in, in the course of your draft, you might a second tight end might come along that you just think is an incredible value. And I, I would never tell anyone don't draft that guy because you must adhere to this roster setting strategy. But I think seven running backs, certainly six, is, is a good way to go. See, uh, I would take a second tight end ahead of a third or a fourth wide receiver in certain instances because, again, I just think the, the I don't differenti- think I would. Yeah, the differential to me between a good tight end backup uh, or with high upside is better than a wide receiver who's going to be down towards the bottom of the draft. I think those guys are very replaceable either on waivers or late in the draft. I will say one thing that uh, we seem to be building towards, and I know we're all in agreement, just the importance of this position. Absolutely. And you really, it, it's it's not just as simple um, as grabbing a couple and then sort of hoping for the best. You have to sort of prepare yourself for uh, even the guys we're saying, you know, at the top of our list, we're about to go through our rankings. You know, those guys aren't, you know, they're not playing a surefire position. Injuries are very common. Uh, so you do sort of have a have to have a contingency plan. So definitely go for more. Uh, I do think, uh, Mike, you're you're a little bit out there with this, but uh, maybe crazy <laughs> like a life. fox. We'll see. <laughs> I, I I'm sorry. I um, not to get the last word, although I don't mind getting the last word. I I, I think there there are two things that need to be mentioned here. One. If your league requires three starting wide receivers, then Mike's strategy not so great. I think you definitely Very want to true. load up a Very wide true. receiver. Very true. I mean, this is standard roster. Yeah, standard a lot of rosters. leagues do that, so that's important to remember. Also, I think it's important to bear in mind that last year was aberrational in terms of running back staying healthy and producing touchdowns. Both those figures were out of whack by many uh, advanced analysis. Rotoviz had a couple of articles about it that last year was a little bit of an anomaly. If you look at the 2015 let's say, uh, first couple rounds, it was carnage among running backs, and everybody was, everybody came out of 2015 saying, oh my God, zero RB is the way to go. Last year, it swung the completely other way. Running backs were healthy and productive, so now we go into this draft thinking like, oh, the heck with zero running back. I want running backs early and often. Well, if you guys aren't going to embrace the strategy, I guess there's just going to be one more running back left for me. Stock watch. Stock watch. Now, before we dive into the stock watch slash rankings for the draft, you've probably noticed that there are some new segment sound effects and new music at the beginning and end of the show. So a big, big thank you to the Post's audio engineer slash wizard slash genie Ted Muldoon for the sound effects and friend of the podcast Brooks Milgate for the tunes. You can check out Brooks's work on CD Baby as well as the iTunes store. Big thank you to both of you. Now, let's get to the rankings. Des, who are your top running backs for 2017? All right, let's do this. I'm going to give you my top 15. Worth bearing in mind that we are following ESPN's lead and defaulting to PPR points per reception format. ESPN has now made that its default setting in its leagues, which is huge, makes a big difference for a lot of running back and wide receiver values. So just bear that in mind as I read these names. Number one, Le'Veon Bell. Number two, David Johnson. Number three, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, No surprises so far, although Bell over Johnson, a lot of people would disagree with that. Four, LaShawn McCoy. Five is where it starts getting interesting, I think. Devontae Freeman is my guy. Uh, Six, I have Jay Ajayi. Seven, DeMarco Murray. Eight, Melvin Gordon. Nine, Jordan Howard. Ten, Todd Gurley. Eleven, Leonard Fournette. Twelve, Christian McCaffrey. 
13, Isaiah Crowell, 14, Lamar Miller, and 15, Jeff's guy, Marshawn Lynch. Mm. So a couple thoughts off of this. We'll talk about Marshawn a little bit. <laughs> I'm we'll sure we will. Oh, we, we always will. do, Jeff, with you. There, there's an important disclaimer we need to make. We're recording this podcast on uh, July 19th. There's still some sort of, I don't want to say conflicting reports, but we don't yet know uh, what, if anything, is going to come of the NFL investigation into Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys running back, um, uh, based off of uh, a domestic abuse claim. Obviously, much more serious consequences uh, in real life. We're looking at it from the fantasy perspective, um, a- as is sort of our role here. But obviously, before you're drafting, you want to make sure that, to check the status um, of that investigation. If he if he's suspended for anything, that affects his value. Um, but for the time being, if he were to play the whole season... There's a clear top three. It's Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott. I have it in the same order that Dez does. Uh, a lot of people like David Johnson, number one. But to me, there's a big sort of shelf after those top three. Uh, once we get into that next tier, uh, led by Dez for LaShawn McCoy, Devontae Freeman, Jay Ajayi. Uh, but really getting one of those top three guys, a big difference for me than getting uh, getting that next group. Just a quick question, and I just want to stick with Elliott for a second because I do think this is a fascinating situation as of right now. Does this bump him below Antonio Brown in your overall rankings, Des? This uncertainty, like if nothing changed between now and your draft, would you entertain Antonio Brown over Ezekiel Elliott? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in my overall rankings, yeah, I already had Levy, uh, Ezekiel Elliott below um, Antonio Brown oh, because okay. of the PPR format. Because last year, I mean, for, for as great as Zeke was, he didn't have a huge involvement in the passing game. I think he only had 31 receptions. Um, I've dropped him further. He's now seventh overall, so I have him behind Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham and A.J. Green with Bell and Johnson at the top. You know, I, I think if Zeke, if the, yeah, if they suspend him one game, I don't think it's a big deal. Two games, even then, I think because of because of what Jeff just talked about, the, the major drop to the next guys in the list, I think you might still keep him number three. You know, anything beyond that, I think you, you have to start dropping him down the list. All right, so further down the list, we were talking about tiers before, Jeff. I think Melvin Gordon is my second-tier cutoff. Up until that point, McCoy, Devontae Freeman, J.H.I., DeMarco Murray, Melvin Gordon, those guys are pretty solidly placed in their, in their roles. The same is true for Jordan Howard. I just don't have the faith that the Bears' offense is going to be that solid behind him, not, which is not a, an attack on him at all. He had a great rookie year. I just don't know if I believe in Mike Lennon or Mitch Trubisky or anything that they're going to do in the air. I think he's going to see a stacked box. Yeah, it's hard with Jordan Howard. One, we're only working off a of one-year sample size with him. Uh, so that carries with it a little bit of risk. Uh, some comparisons to a guy he's ranked near uh, in Dez's rankings and Todd Gurley, someone who had a really impressive rookie year. Then he comes back the second year. The Rams' offense was an absolute train wreck, and yep. Gurley really struggled. Uh, now, he wasn't quite as bad as some made him out to be. Like He was still overall one of the more productive fantasy runners, but he didn't justify his draft position. Some right. some people, <clears throat> myself, <laughs> uh, kept him over the opportunity to draft David Johnson. So there are, um, th- there are definitely... Uh, Don't beat yourself th- th- up over there. There are yeah. some risks with Jordan Howard. I totally agree with that. Uh, that second tier is kind of hard to figure out. I think of that group... You know, I like Jay Ajayi, uh, maybe Melvin Gordon a little bit more than Dez does. Uh, but it definitely is, in that middle to late first round, it's going to be hard to take a chance on some of those guys over some of the top wide receivers. There's not that certainty that the top three running backs provide. Yeah, I have, um, I, I kind of have Howard as the last guy in, in a tier, like the, the, what I would call tier two. So after the big three, you've got McCoy, Freeman, Ajayi, DeMarco Murray, Melvin Gordon. 
then Jordan Howard, and just because of how god-awful the Rams were, and Gurley himself, I mean, even some of the individual running back metrics on him were not very favorable compared to his rookie season, so even his own individual performance wasn't that great last year, so I have, I have that as a start of a next tier where you have him, Leonard Fournette, uh, McCaffrey, Crowell, Miller, and Lynch. Now, before we get to Jeff Dooley favorite, Marshawn Lynch, number 12, Christian McCaffrey. This is really bullish on a guy who has yet to take a snap in the NFL, and you have Leonard Fournette right in front of him. But McCaffrey, to me, is the more interesting of the two because we've talked before among the three of us, there's some real upside there in that Carolina offense with McCaffrey. Yeah, I'm somebody who's pretty high on McCaffrey. I think, as it always is the case with rookies, they end up getting bumped up higher and higher in ADP um, and maybe get overvalued a little bit because there's so much excitement about them. I think what he potentially offers as a pass catcher, this this guy was, in terms of his efficiency numbers, uh, just as a receiver at the college level, you know, he was rivaling as a guy taking screens and swing passes what some outside receivers were doing. Um, so I just think he's a, he's a tremendous matchup weapon in that Carolina offense. We don't know exactly how they're going to use him, but just when you, when, especially talking about PPR leagues, if he's someone who maybe he only gets 10 carries a game, but he's targeted heavily uh, as a pass catcher, I do think there's value there. I like him better than Leonard Fournette, uh, just because I sort of worry about the situation for Fournette in terms of uh, the offensive line there and all that. But I think McCaffrey's a really intriguing guy. Uh, it just depends on, on where he's, uh, when he's available when you're drafting. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have had McCaffrey ranked this high in standard formats as opposed to PPR. I think, he, the, I think the Panthers drafted him to be a pass-receiving outlet for Cam Newton. Now, there's some... Uh, reason for pause there because Cam Newton has never been good at throwing at his running backs. It's just not been part of his game. Some metrics show that he's actually one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL at short passes. He throws a great deep ball and obviously we know about his scrambling ability but we also know that coming out of last season the Panthers don't want Newton to run the ball so much and they definitely want him to get rid of the ball sooner and so there's every reason to think McCaffrey will be a big part of their game plans right off the bat. I mean they don't the history of running backs taken in the top 10 tells you that they don't always pan out the way you want them to but they generally get a pretty good workload right away. Right. And he's a top 10 pick. Fournette's a top five pick. I think with McCaffrey, the thing is, like, he's their best underneath receiver because even Greg Olson is a guy who's usually sort of intermediate threat. Uh, McCaffrey, they could split him out in the slot. I mean, he he can do a lot of different things. So I I think I'm really intrigued by him. One other guy I'll get a plug in for uh, that we, you know, rarely gets talked about, Isaiah Crowell of the Browns. They've really upgraded that offensive line uh, in Cleveland, one of the best in the league. Um, and, and Crowell's a guy you can probably get in the third round. He ranked second in the NFL last season in yards after contact per rush. Only Jay Ajayi was better. So he's someone who proved his ability to create on his own, and he's going to get a lot of running lanes, assuming he you know, starts and finishes the season as a starting running back. Third round, that's a value to me. All right, now I promise we talk about him. We're going to do it super quick because Jeff is going to not forgive me if we don't talk about Marshawn Lynch because, you know, he's got a hair doll he's constructing on his desk. It's a little weird. Anyway, why 15 for Marshawn Lynch when we have another retired uh, running back, or, or, sorry, veteran running back who didn't retire in Adrian Peterson who missed last season coming back and he's not on the top 15? Why Lynch at 15? Yeah, so I, I will say this. Lynch is another guy. He started out early in the offseason. It looked like you might be able to get him in the third round, fourth round. looked like a tremendous value. His ADP now is mid-second round, so he's starting to take on a little bit of a risk. But I'll say this, that offensive line in Oakland, one of the best in the league. Um, And, you know, with Marshawn, 
you got to keep an eye on him in training camp, preseason. How does he look? How is he responding to being away from the game for a year? But this is one of the best running backs of all time. If he's still got a little bit left in the tank, him with the opportunity there, uh, that's a really strong offense. I just think he could, you know, he's a top five uh, potential guy uh, if he has the type of season uh, he's capable of. So I, you know, will I reach on him in the middle of the second round? Probably, but I, I think he's someone you got to keep honest. an eye on. The other thing is, you know, the the year off can cut can go either way. Either he could, you know, come back rejuvenated, re-energized. He didn't take the pounding, or you know, maybe he spent that year traveling the world. He went to Egypt. We know he went to Scotland. He consumed a bunch of uh, Skittles. Like he could have just been partying. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not exactly. He was sure. already eating Skittles. Though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no change he, there. He has looked in great shape. And the thing to remember about the Raiders is that. Latavius Murray, no one thinks he's anywhere near the talent that Marshawn Lynch at least was in his career. And Murray finished 11th in per-game scoring last year among running backs, and he had 12 touchdowns. I mean, so there's a lot of reason to think that Marshawn Lynch at the very least could get you double digits in touchdowns. Yeah, I, I think there are a couple of other guys they like there, but there's a lot to like about his situation. All right, so a lot to like, but now we are going to talk about some guys with some warning signs. Fire beware. 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 All right, gents, it's time to talk about the running backs wrapped in caution tape. This is our buyer beware segment. Who are you a little bit skittish about heading into draft season? We mentioned him earlier, the rookie out of LSU, Leonard Fournette. Um, the number four overall pick of the Jaguars is someone who makes me a little bit nervous at his current ADP, which is basically a second-round pick. Uh, reason being, I don't have a lot of confidence in the offensive line in Jacksonville. I do think it's safe to assume he's going to get a pretty big workload. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, uh, ESPN's Mike Clay did some great research on this. Traditionally, any first-round running backs typically get big workloads as rookies. Uh, So I think that's to be expected. He is a power back. He would would be the guy around the goal line as well. I think the issue is it's one thing to say, oh, Jacksonville's just going to line up and pound the ball. Uh, But at the same time, defenses know exactly what that's going to mean as well. They can put eight guys in the box. They don't really have... Uh, a passing offense to supplement it with Blake Bortles struggling last year. So he's someone who makes me a little bit nervous. He doesn't do much in the passing game or certainly didn't at LSU. Uh, so that's 100% projection to see if he's going to be able to do it in the NFL. So he's someone who makes me a little bit nervous. And the other guy is Lamar Miller um, in, of the Houston Texans, also in that sort of late second-round range, last in the NFL among qualifying running backs in yards after contact per rush last year. That Texans offense is a little bit of an unknown. We don't know who's going to be quarterback there. So those two guys in the range they're going, I don't want any part of. Lamar Miller was such a disappointment last year. I, everyone was so high on him with what he had done coming out of Miami. Never really took off in that Texans offense. you got to wonder how much of that was because of the quarterbacks and the Osweilering of everything over there. Is he going to be a little bit better this year? I don't know if I'm willing to bet a second-round pick on it. Yeah, I mean, again, you sort of expect a little bit of a positive regression to the mean. And who knows? Maybe Deshaun Watson really surprises and that opens up the offense. Uh, but I think there's a lot of risk for where you have to draft him, uh, yeah, he, he just was, knowing what the downside is. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I ranked him 14th overall. I didn't feel great about it. I kind of looked for reasons to, to push him lower. You just The workload is there. I, you know, my rankings have a lot to do with um, security of role and expected workload. Des, you have, uh, for one of your buyer bewares, a running back that really broke through last year after becoming basically the definition of progressing to the mean. Zero touchdowns as a rookie. All Melvin Gordon did last year was score touchdowns, so I'm guessing you don't think he's going to do that again. 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. It was the ultimate uh, indicator of how fickle touchdowns can be. I mean, there was a a reason in place during his rookie season because they had Danny Woodhead there, and they trusted him much more around the goal line. Woodhead had a lot more of those touches, and then Woodhead got injured, and the other backup, Brandon Oliver, also got injured, and all of a sudden it was was the Melvin Gordon show with – Kenneth Farrow there to yeah, pick up yeah. the pieces. I mean, that's not a great situation. So there were, he had almost no competition at running back last year. You know, he should be a lock again for volume, but volume is a lot in, in fantasy, of course, but it's not everything. And I'd like to see Melvin Gordon be, uh, I don't know, a little bit better of a running back. Is that too much to ask for? I would like to see him it's, average. It's very small. I'd like to see him reach the Mount Everest-like threshold, apparently, of 4.0 yards per carry. He's not been able to do that in each of his first two seasons. I mean, that's Pretty lousy um, efficiency. He hasn't rushed for 1,000 uh, yards. He hasn't been able to finish either of his first two seasons. He's he suffered season-ending injuries both years. I, I just, look, I, I think you, if you take Melvin Gordon in the second round, that's great. What I'm reacting to is his average draft position, which is ninth overall and the fourth running back off the board. I just don't get that. I don't know what we've seen with him, even, even in his big season last year, to think that he's going to jump up to that sort of echelon. Yeah, I, I'll make the case for Gordon a little bit. One is that he's a, a former first-round pick himself. Obviously, the, the team has invested heavily in him, and I've cited offensive line performance a lot to this point. The Chargers might have been dead last last year. They could have as many as four new starters uh, this offseason. They really addressed it in, in free agency and in the draft. And I just, I'm just i very high on the Chargers in general. There's a lot of weapons in that offense that they've surrounded Phillip Rivers with. Uh, so I think it's going to be a, a prolific offense. Gordon's clearly the number one back. So you know, I would I'd feel more comfortable about drafting him than say a guy like Demarco Murray, who's one spot ahead of uh, Gordon and Dez's ranking. So uh, I I definitely get what you mean. Ninth overall, that feels really rich, but uh, you know, certainly early second round, I I wouldn't hesitate to snap him up. Now the the warning sirens were blaring for one more guy on Dez's list, but he is actually climbing average draft position right now. He's up about 15 spots over the past couple of weeks. That's Eddie Lacy out in Seattle. Dez, why are you skeptical there? Well, I'm, I, I'm certainly not taking him now that his, his rank is climbing. I mean, the thing with Eddie Lacy is, this is a. I'm just not even sure that he's the second best back in his own team, let alone the guy. I like the other two running backs they have there at least as much in terms of talent. They're younger. Uh, Thomas. I'm, I'm speaking in terms of Thomas Rawls and C.J. Procise. Now, both of them have not been able to stay healthy in the NFL, and in Procise, we only caught a glimpse of what he can do. But I think Procise is already ticketed for the uh, passing downs role in Seattle, and he could. You know, with some explosive plays, he could carve out much more. The other uh, red flag with Eddie Lacy, of course, is the fact that he's being weighed every month. He has it's built into his contract. He gets fifty thousand dollars every month when he checks in under under like two hundred fifty bills. I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, monthly weigh-ins for a running back gives me a little bit of pause when I think about how effective they might be in the coming season. There are other guys with those clauses, though. It's not like he's yeah, yeah, defensive part. And Marshawn Lynch is one of them. <laughs> I just think that's going to be more of a committee in Seattle than, than other people seem to think. I don't think Eddie Lacy is going to be the guy there. I think he can do some nice things, but I think Rawls and Procise will have a major say in, in the workload distribution there. I think I like Lacy a little bit more than you do, Des. I, I guess sort of getting back to the strategy we had, uh, we had referenced at the top of the show, the idea of just having to really stockpile running backs because there's a lot of variability, I think Lacy is one of those guys you take a chance on depending on when you can get him. I actually thought, like, mid-sixth round ADP, I think he's a value. If he starts dropping into the fifth round, okay, you get a little bit more nervous there. But he's a guy, He's the. I would say, at, at a minimum, he's the front runner for the lead-back job in what is a, what is a good offense. 
uh, an offense that wants to run the ball more. And, you know, we're not too many seasons removed from him being an elite fantasy performer. So I actually like Lacey. I think you have to take a chance on a couple of those guys uh, and hope they pan out. If Lacey's my third running back on my depth chart, I'm feeling pretty good. If he's my second, less so. And God help me if he's my first. I, I, well, he's probably I, Mike's okay. sixth if he's going in the sixth <laughs> round. Right. Because <laughs> yep. that true. gets to Mike's threshold of, of all running backs all the time. Yeah, he's the backup to Mike's backup's backup. Bring uh, me your running backs. <laughs> I, I, I love C.J. Procise. I mean, maybe you can't tell already. He's, the, he's, he's going as the 43rd running back drafted, 111th pick overall, according to Fantasy Pros. I love guys who have a role in the passing game, especially in PPR leagues. That gives them a stable floor. I think there's an opportunity for much more with him. If I'm going zero running back and I'm looking in the later rounds to throw a dart at a guy, give me C.J. Prosize every time. I got a little quiz for you guys. Hit me. How many games last year did C.J. Prosize have more than four carries in? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm going to guess not a high number. Uh, two. One. One game I, I overbid more, with two? more than four, oh, four carries. Yes. And you know what happened? It yes. was against the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. So everybody yes. loves C.J. Prosize. He's going to get overdrafted. Well, he looked I'm not great. Sa- I'm not saying th- this applies to you, Dez, even though it does. But <laughs> he's going to get overdrafted <laughs> off of one game. He's gonna, Buyer he's going, beware he's going on C.J. Prosize. 111th is overdrafted? I think so. <laughs> Moving four, on, Mike. Mike, Mike, let's just move on. Come on. All right. Let's, let's get to the uh, value picks. Value picks. Time for value picks. Let's dip into the bargain bin. Jeff, who you got? All right. So there's a couple guys I I would say just keep an eye on. I'll mention quickly here. Frank Gore, currently a seventh-round ADP. He's one of the last sort of starting running backs you can get. Theo Riddick, his current ADP is in the 10th round. I think he's a value, especially in PPR leagues. The guy I'm going to call out, uh, though, is Mike Gillisley, a free agent pickup. Uh, of the Patriots now, hmm. uh, Patriots running backs yeah, obviously that's like a, a you know a fantasy no no uh, until last year when Legarrette Br- uh, Legarrette Blunt runs for 18 touchdowns. But I will say this: Gillisley can not only fill that short yardage role, which proved to be very valuable. Uh, he's actually got some explosiveness to his game among running backs with at least 100 carries last year, second in yards after contact per rush uh, last year from Gillisley. So he's got that explosive ability. Uh, I do think. Uh, there, there's some boomer bust, as with any New England Patriot uh, position player, not named Rob Gronkowski, but I, I do think he's a guy to keep an eye on, especially where he's going in current drafts. Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you on that. I mean, LeGarrette, you know, for all the people think, oh, you can never predict a Patriots running back and it's a crapshoot every week. I mean, people who had LeGarrette Blunt in their teams were pretty happy to roll him out every week and watch him rack up 18 pretty easy touchdowns. The Patriots offense leads the league in all you know almost every year in carries inside the five. Gillisley looks like he's going to be the replacement for Blunt in that sense. So just on touchdowns alone, he's a good value as currently the 30th running back off the board. Des, who's your value guy? I'm going to go with uh, Danny Woodhead because we've hit on the fact that this is a PPR format. Woodhead is a kingpin when it comes to pass catching the, uh, as long as he's on the field. And, uh, you know, it, it, his pattern uh, the last four years was great season, injured, great season, injured. So presumably he'll have a great season again, right? That, that logic holds up. Naturally. That's yeah. airtight. So <laughs> he basically lost two full seasons to injury. In the other two seasons, and this is with the Chargers over the past four years, he had 80 receptions and 76 receptions with eight and nine touchdowns, respectively, in those seasons. Now he goes to a Ravens team that's lost three of its top four pass catchers. Kenneth Dixon is suspended for the first four games. Uh, Terrence West seemed like just a guy to me. He didn't average a lot. Of, he didn't do you know very well on the ground. Joe Flacco recently compared uh, Woodhead to Ray Rice in terms of his receiving skills. That's high praise for Flacco. 
Yeah, and you know, I mean, so there's not only is there a stable situation in terms of his role on that offense. I think Woodhead is a lock to catch a bunch of balls. He might just take over as the RB one on the team. We don't know what's going to happen when Dixon comes back. We know that Woodhead will have a four game audition to really be their main back in all areas. And if all else fails, he'll be their top receiving back. I love, I love the value you can get with him. Yeah, I mean, that I'll say this: that's a very pass heavy offense in Baltimore. Uh, a, a need for guys to step up in that area. And Woodhead was a fantasy-relevant option even when he wasn't the number one back on the depth chart in San Diego, uh, Melvin Gordon's rookie year. So I, I do think there's definitely, uh, depending on where you can get him, it's a true, that's the truth with all these guys. But I, I think Woodhead's someone you should have circled on your cheat sheets. And Woodhead's really interesting because he's the rare guy you can get late whose floor is really high, especially with PPR, because you know he's going to catch a bunch of passes. And even when Dick Dixon comes back from his suspension, he might get the goal line carries. He did that in San Diego, and he was effective. I don't see why you wouldn't give him that shot again in Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a potent combination. Like, pass catching back and goal line back is, is fantasy glory for you. The only, I mean, the major concern with Woodhead, besides coming off of two season-ending injuries in the past four years, Fish posh. he's kind of old. He's like 32. So he's older. We've talked about some old. We talked about Marshawn Lynch. I mean, Woodhead's older than that. So that is, uh, you know, you have to keep that in mind. What to watch for. Training camp is underway for most of the NFL, and there is a ton that we're going to want to keep our eyes on. Jeff, what are you watching for when training camp gets underway? I'm going to be paying attention to Green Bay training camp and Ty Montgomery. He's a guy we haven't talked about yeah, yet. Very uh, interesting. He's, he's very intriguing to me. Uh, he's another guy where the sample size is not huge. Obviously, he was drafted as a wide receiver, played wide receiver, and, and was a return man at Stanford. Uh, but they converted him to running back last year after Eddie Lacy's injury, after uh, James Starks went down. I mean, they, they were out of running backs. Uh, and so they converted him to the, the position, but he played really well. You know, we've been talking about the importance of pass-catching ability among backs. Obviously, he has that uh, given he was drafted as a wide receiver. Uh, I want to see, is he truly, uh, you know, a traditional number one featured back in that offense? Is he more sort of a, an accent piece, as we've discussed? Uh, so he's someone keep an eye on. He's currently going sort of back end of fourth round. If he's really the guy there, if he's going to get 15 carries a game or so, it's either if he's their goal line guy and then you add the pass catching, he's a tremendous value late fourth, early fifth round. So I'm going to keep an eye on him in Green Bay camp. Yeah, the, in- the interesting thing about Montgomery is that, you know, is that the Packers got rid of all the other running backs they had on the team last year, you know, including uh, James Starks, who was there forever. We talked about A. Lacey. He was gone. Even Don Jackson, who was temporarily a name of interest Man. when everyone else is falling by Wa- the way. Waiver wire hot commodity. Yeah, <laughs> the immortal Don Jackson. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, gone but not forgotten. Um, so at that point, you know, w- when all that happened, all those cuts were made, it really looked like they were clearing the decks completely for Ty Montgomery. And then during the draft, they drafted three running backs, which is kind of a lot. And granted, they were all like mid to late round guys. I think the first one was at, at four in Jamal Williams. Uh, but so the, the, obviously they were saying like, okay, maybe we don't want Ty Montgomery to just be the sole guy here. And you know, some you know he there are some questions about his short yardage abilities, so on and so forth. So I, I don't think it's written in stone that Ty Montgomery will dominate the work there. But he should get a ton of receptions. Again, we're talking PPR uh, formats in particular. Another really murky backfield situation with a lot of big names and intrigue. Down in New Orleans, the Saints, there was a time, guys, when we would have started this podcast by talking about Adrian Peterson and why he should be the number one overall draft pick. Now he's one of three big names, including Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. What are they going to do there? That's, that's my question. We've heard Adrian Peterson's been a workout warrior. But that's always been his M.O. 
when preseason starts and we start seeing game two and game three with the Saints, I want to see what sort of workload breakdown there is between Peterson, Ingram, and Kamara. I think most people expect Kamara to be the pass catcher, but I think it's between Peterson and Ingram for that RB1 slot. I, I'm intrigued by how they handle that. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, Ingram had a great year last year. Uh, Kamara someone who has some pass catching ability. Maybe he's more that third down guy. Uh, are the Saints going to be more of a run-heavy offense this year? Obviously, they, they signed Peterson. They traded up to draft Kamara. Then they invested in the offensive line as well. Uh, it could be maybe they're trying to take the air out of the ball just a little bit, maybe not quite as prolific or pass-heavy as they've been in the past. Uh, but, you know, if Peterson's a starting running back there, you got to move him up like four rounds. Seriously, I mean, it's, right? It's an, yeah. uh, he's, he's someone you got to really pay attention yeah, he's to still what's being, going on He's still there. being treated with some skepticism. Uh, I'm looking at the ADP at Fantasy Pros. They have him thir- as a 32nd running back. Uh, going off the board, 85th overall. So yeah. people are still taking a wait-and-see approach with him. But they will see, and presumably they will see in preseason games. And if Adrian Peterson bowls over a linebacker and outraces a defensive back to the corner of the end zone, all he has to do, you know. Once. Wh- one one carry. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah, he'll rock it up the draft boards. All right, Des, you got your eyes out west, I see. Yeah, let's let's move from some sort of glamorous situations. You know, we've got the Packers, we've got the Saints, and let's look at the Broncos and maybe not so glamorous. And uh, <laughs> this could be much ado about What's the nothing. the opposite of glamour? This could be much ado about nothing because this team could just doesn't have a great offensive line or it certainly didn't last year, and uh, they could struggle to run the ball all season long. So maybe it doesn't really matter who emerges from the situation. But the fact is it's a bit murky because C.J. Anderson has struggled with injuries the past couple years. The real intrigue is with Jamal Charles. You know, longtime chief, tormented the Broncos all those years, got, had two major knee injuries the past two seasons, already 30. They cut him, so obviously they don't think he's going to amount to much in the future. He claims to be, you know, as, as players so often do, he claims, claims to be right on the, on the right path. So that's certainly a, a situation with, worth watching because if Jamal Charles is right, or if, if he's even like 85% of what he used to be, you know, he could, he could basically be the top back there. I don't think C.J. Anderson is going to stand very much in the way of him. What year is this podcast? We're advising <laughs> drafting Marshawn Lynch, Adrian Peterson, and Jamal Charles. Like, what's we're, going on? We're in the wayback machine, that's for sure. I'm oh, sorry, I forgot Danny Woodhead. <laughs> All right, well, we got a lot of promising running backs, a lot of question marks. I think the only clear thing you can do is draft them all. Right? 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 We've been over this, Mike. Okay. Well, that concludes our running backs episode. We'll be back next week with a look at the wide receivers. Remember, we hit quarterbacks previously. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe. Leave us a comment. Hit us up on Twitter as well. I'm at Mike Hume Post. And I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening.